Today we're going to be talking about one of my very, very favorite topics, uh, multi-location uh, healthcare marketing strategies. Um, this is where most of our business uh, with our agency lies today, and we have lots of multi-location businesses. And I've been thinking about doing a webinar here on this topic for a while, and uh, coincidentally, about a week and a half ago, I was invited to do a private meeting about multi-location marketing for a PE group here in Southern California. And I thought, wow, that would make for a great webinar. <laughs> so um, anyway, that the, the meeting with the PE folks went over well. Hopefully you'll find this really helpful as well. So um, the objective, let's go through this. I am Stuart Gandalf. I am CEO of Healthcare Success. Um, I've noticed this, uh, some of the people that have registered or people that have followed us for many years. Uh, also a lot of new names on that list as well. So just a little background about me. I'm again, uh, CEO of Healthcare Success. We're at uh, marketing agency, fully integrated, uh, what we call ourselves a brand performance agency, but truly integrated digital first agency. I've stumbled into healthcare marketing after working with some great big ad agencies like J. Walter Thompson uh, 20 years ago, um, done tons of speaking and writing on this topic. I really have consulted for over a thousand clients. It's a lot more than that actually. Um, and uh, looking forward to working with you. And that's what I used to look like um, 10 pounds ago prior to COVID. Actually, on the good side, I've lost 10 pounds since then uh, with definitely different hair than I have today. So the, um, again, I mentioned our agency. I founded this in 2006. Interestingly, uh, we're gonna talk a lot about the internet today and digital marketing. And a lot of the strategies that I'm gonna share with you are things that we did for ourselves. We built this agency from this room prior to COVID. We weren't uh, we were virtual at the beginning. It's a little strange to be back in the same room, but at any rate, um, online. So we built our business online. And to this day, many of the people that are on this webinar probably found us initially online. So we practice what we preach. We've got about 25 people on our team, um, 30,000 subscribers to our blog. Uh, I love educating. I had no idea that I do that. Um, again, I stumbled into that when I first started doing healthcare marketing. So hopefully you'll find this valuable today. Um, just a couple quick things before I get into the meat of the webinar. Um, our agency, we're healthcare specialists. Uh, we are truly on the channel, meaning that um, we work online and offline both. Um, and we are 100% focused on results, which most of the people on this call, I'm guessing, are in that. Uh, we find that people that are interested in our topics and as clients are usually interested in return on investment. Um, I mentioned a moment ago that we work a lot in... Um, multi-location businesses is just a sampling of some of the people we work with now or worked with recently. Um, we have done many, many more than that and some name brands that you recognize as well. Um, and uh, this is a, uh, another ebook we have. If you're interested in the ebook, I can send that to you for those of you who'd like to read. Um, there's a little bit of overlap with the concepts today, but they are different. So uh, again, this is a big specialty of ours. As an agency, I mentioned that we do uh, full service, so branding, creative, digital, uh, traditional media, uh, data analytics. Uh, we've worked with every possible specialty. So as I talk about this, I want to just, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is not so much a promotion for our agency, but to let you know that we really have done this. So every single one of these specialties we've worked with in the past and more, this is just a sampling of some of the specialties we've worked with. So if you woke me up in the middle of the night and said, hey, let's talk about cardiology, radiation oncology, skilled nursing, uh, addiction medicine, uh, we're there. The, uh, again, some of our corporate partners. So let's get into the agenda today. So the first part is we're gonna talk about healthcare marketing today. And I think that's really important to set the stage. Um, then we're gonna actually walk you through some integrated marketing examples, some of the things that we have been doing for our clients. I can't share any you know, confidential data, so I will be sharing maybe some stories uh, and some publicly available things. And if you're interested in more detail, I can certainly talk to you offline, but I think you'll find that section really valuable because it'll be talking about real world case studies and we'll have a little time left over for some, for some q a so let's talk about healthcare marketing today so it's interesting um not everybody on this call is from a pe back firm there's some hospital systems on and health systems on the line um there's uh, there are pe companies there are some entrepreneurs on the line but i think it's important whether it's a pe company pe firm or an investor or just a doctor trying to be more successful with a multi-location business and even a hospital system you know oftentimes when we think about revenue because today we're in COVID, right and um the world has changed we're all still trying to figure out what to do we're um, shut down. No, we're not. Yes, we are. We're, we're going to be shut down. Patients are afraid to come into the 
um, hospital or to the practice. Um, you understand that. I've, been, I've spoken and written about that a lot in recent months. But one of the things that I know all the time is how undervalued marketing often is because whether it's a PE firm or a hospital or you know, whomever, most of the time we're looking at how do we add value? Well, insurance contracting is one way to add revenue to a hospital or multi-location business. And that's an important way. I'm not diminishing any of these things. These are vitally important issues. Revenue cycle management, billing, coding, collections. Those are all really, really important ways to add revenue. Um, adding uh, acquisitions, right? Either new hospitals or new practices. Those are really common. How do we you know, acquire um, and grow that way? Can we add more revenue by cutting costs? Um, always challenging, but that certainly is another lever that we can pull. And oftentimes in the PE world, they, you know, they view uh, adding value of coming into, you know, a chain of uh, uh, practices, for example, they're doing all these things, but then the, the goal is to bring in management expertise. And there's other levers as well. I'm not diminishing any of these, but um, the good news is that's not the whole uh, bag of tricks. So marketing, it turns out, can be very, very um, uh, effective in growing revenue, whether it's for multi-location practice or a multi-location hospital system, the concepts are exactly the same. So one of the things is with marketing, especially on the digital side, but also external advertising, and we'll talk about this as we get into this, um, is that it can profitably grow new revenues. And when you find that what works, it scales. So one of the things we talk about a lot at our company is that you know we test track and adjust so we come out we when we work with a client that's new to us we first of all start with experience we've learned from others before us then we usually will apply best practices to whatever the problem is and then we test it we have a you know valid hypothesis we test it and if it works then we just keep doing a lot more if it doesn't we refine and start again sometimes we hit the home run off the first pitch sometimes it requires a few pitches to get them down but the good news is once we get to that stage with profitable marketing, that's really ROI based. When you find that formula, it becomes what we call predictable, profitable, and passive, meaning that it's predictable. We know from experience that this generates a three to one on average if we're going to do this particular activity. Um, so profitable is important. Um, predictable, we know that it's predictable and then passive to our clients at least. So that's one of the exciting things with marketing that when it's done right, it becomes a new lever that you can predictably grow. Uh, and then, you know, like I just talked to one of our clients yesterday, we had our annual meeting with, and, um, you know, we're talking about they're going to add five or six new locations this year. They're able to do that with some confidence because they know the marketing has worked. And so nothing is guaranteed, but they have experience now knowing that when they open a new location with the marketing behind it, that they should be able to bring in X amount of revenue and it scales well because all these things have been sorted out. Another thing that's really common with multi-location hospitals and practices is to consolidate brands. So different uh, practices have different philosophies. So for example, uh, one of our favorite case studies that we worked with back when they had only five practices, they now have 900 is Pacific Dental. With Pacific Dental, every single location has its own unique brand and that's a branding strategy. And there's you know, a good argument for that. There's a great argument. Other uh, practices that are oftentimes consolidating a bunch of disparate brands and trying to create a new brand. And that's not always easy, particularly if they're buying um, independent practices with doctors that have been doing their things their own way for a long time. Hospitals have the same thing. Today, you know, the hospital names change, you know, almost weekly, I see the name of a new system or a new hospital. So how do we consolidate and brand and, and handle that? So that's another issue that you can handle with marketing. Um, uh, another, as I mentioned a moment ago, successfully promoting newly acquired locations or new ones, um, building patient volume for specific locations, that's often common. One of the things I talk about a lot is the minimum daily requirement. Like what would be the minimum daily requirement for marketing for all of the locations? Let's say you have 50 locations. Well, usually we budget some level, even if you're busy, you know, like a great example is dermatology. Even if they're busy, uh, we wanna have, we wanna don't, we do not wanna disappear from the marketplace. So we would have, X amount of dollars allocated towards promoting each and every location. And that may be broken down on a location by location basis, but then we would have uh, prioritized ones that need the help in terms of volume right now. Another great example that is skilled nursing. Skilled nursing is oftentimes, um, you know, they have a full census, but it's very competitive. And then today with COVID, there may be, um, there's uh, challenges with some locations over others. 
So again, it's more strategic. And one of the things that we talk about on that note is if you have 50 locations, you're not marketing one business, you're marketing 50 businesses. Each business has, each location has its own unique requirements and needs to be thought through that way. And that's really, really important. Um, some of you may have a lot of capitated patients or different models, um, um, you know, population health, where we're trying to keep them out of the emergency room. So keep them so they stay in your program and keep them out of the emergency room. Um, uh, that's a completely different type of objective, but it's also super valid. Um, very common on the hospital side and on the practice side, but especially the hospital side, high reimbursement service lines. So, you know, you'll find a whole bunch of hospitals if they have an EQ are gonna focus a lot of energy on obstetrics. Um, if you have um, cancer hospital or whatever, uh, most hospitals will have uh, service lines that they're looking to build. And that does make sense, right? We wanna, we don't wanna, eth ethically we wanna market to everybody, but if we're gonna spend a certain percentage of our budget going after revenue, we probably will focus on those things that make economic sense. Um, another thing that's really important today is to create a strong digital presence. Um, some are better than others. And I often talk about this internally, just because a practice is big and has, you know, hundred locations doesn't mean they're sophisticated. Many times when we look at it, it's a mess. We have to, it's kind of a do-over. On the other hand, some are super, super strong. Hospital side, same thing. You know, there's um, some hospitals have no history, even if they're big, they have very little history of marketing. They have very little buy-in from the senior execs. And you know, others like Cleveland Clinic Mayo are exceedingly strong in marketing. So the, um, I always think it's interesting by the way on that note, of, you know, the ones that are the most clinically expected, some of the ones that are most clinically expected are also terrific marketers. It seems they have a commitment to excellence in everything they do, uh, which is something we advocate a lot. Um, sometimes we have just a mass online reputation. Nobody's, let, you know, we've let that bull run amok for years. We need to work on that. Um, Doctor referrals and patient inquiries are really important. Um, and I'll, I'll describe that in a few minutes. The, um, uh, so that's what's, that's I, going back to the slide for a moment. What I'm trying to do here is just help people think a little bigger. Like these are really important goals that um, some of you on the line are very sophisticated have been doing this for a long time. Others of you may want to do things like this and may need to bring in senior management or you know other leaders into the business to, to look at this but there's a lot here these are a lot of levers that most people are not utilizing effectively briefly i know that most people in here are, uh, today are living healthcare though again we have private equity folks on too but just some common things that we talk about a lot that's influencing the marketing campaigns to now uh, one of the first things is today patients aren't patients anymore they're healthcare consumers and that's a really important concept um, they're not just patients. And one of the things that I talked about, where I talk about a lot, and when I speak on patient experience in particular, um, the, uh, I remember one time my mother, before she died, this was about four or five years ago, um, had a cardiologist and she was 93 years old and, you know, a 93 year old patient with heart trouble, among other things. And, you know, we're sit they asked us to see the doctor at 7.30. So we're sitting around at 7.30. Okay, it's now 8. Okay, I'm getting a little annoyed. 8.15. So I went to the front desk. I said, hey, what gives? And I said, oh, the doctor doesn't come in until 9. This wants to make sure the paperwork is all done and the patients are ready. <laughs> I had a WTF moment. Are you kidding me? My mother is 93 or 4 and sitting here in your room doing nothing. And I'm an executive of a company and I'm exhausted because I work very late and I'm here for no reason. That's just dying. And so at the end of that story, my mother said, oh, well, it's okay. He's a doctor. And I said, mom, let's leave right now. No, he's a doctor. Well, that's just not happening anymore. I mean, certainly there might probably some more 94-year-olds that'll look that way. But the younger generation, the younger you go, the more that um, uh, folks like Gen Z and millennials feel like, well, no, 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 you have this all wrong. I'm in charge here. But even Gen X and boomers, all the different generations have their um, specific healthcare quirks. But overall, the overriding uh, theme to keep in mind now is that people are healthcare consumers. And I'll probably talk about that a little bit later and how that's sharing out. Um, multiculturalism, you know, we just went through a pretty big election here and, um, you know, the country is uh, adapting to, you know, having uh, many cultures. This is no longer a homogenous um, country, it's multicultural. And most of the clients we work with have a multicultural, multicultural component. Even in places that you wouldn't expect, like the Midwest oftentimes have huge uh, multicultural uh, groups that you have to think through and should think through in terms of serving your community. 
So, and again, when you start talking about, you know, hundred practices like or more, then you often have many different multicultural issues in many different marketplaces. Again, you're not just marketing um, one business, you're marketing a hundred or 200 businesses that each have their own quirks. Retailization of healthcare um, is something that has become uh, really, really important to, for people to understand. CVS, Walgreens, all those folks are into healthcare aggressively. One of my favorite um, discussions I saw at Shizmet a couple of years ago was, I forget which, who it was a speaker, but he was talking about how the hospitals say, well, we can't do that. We can't do, have transparent pricing. We can't quote up front. We can't offer same day appointments. We can't, we can't, we can't. And the private equity guys are like, that's exactly why we're moving into your space because we can. <laughs> so it's a little scary, but really that's what's happening now. So it's a much more of a retail attitude and the psych it's spinning, right? It's going faster, faster, faster towards patients becoming healthcare consumers. And those that embrace that are going to succeed, whereas others will not, not so much. Um, consumers demand convenience. One of the things I speak about a lot, and maybe you've heard me speak before, is that, you know, what are the couple things that patients really want when it comes to dealing with their doctor? Well, being able to schedule their own appointments and be able to communicate with their doctor um, securely on quick things. What have doctors historically not wanted patients to do? Let them set their own appointments and communicate with them without coming in. <laughs> so um, big disparity there in terms of the provider's needs or provider's desires versus consumers. However, you know, again, consumers are the ultimate voters. They start moving to where people will give them what they want, and that's happening. Big example here, too, is telehealth. Um, I became a telehealth uh, fan several years ago. I tend to be a little ahead of technology. I'm like an innovator. I'm not the, the bleeding edge, but I tend to be an early adopter at least. And the convenience of it, story after story, I share with people that uh, with telehealth, it you know, saved my family weekend. My kid, or one of the stories is my kid, uh, got bit by a bug. She was very scared. I knew it was no big deal. Did we want to ruin our whole weekend chasing after a dirty urgent care in the area we were staying in? We just called the telehealth doctor. She felt happy. She took a Benadryl. She was fine. That was worth a hundred bucks to me. We had the telehealth appointment while we were cooking eggs for breakfast. Um, meanwhile, with COVID, health systems have um, gone from this is impossible. We've got reimbursement problems. We have uh, privacy problems, patients don't want to do this, doctors really don't want to do this. And then after COVID in two weeks, hospital systems were doing thousands of appointments. So the government uh, regulations changed and relaxed a little, uh, but the demand was just there and people figured it out. And so that uh, train has left the station, it's not coming back. So um, again, just expect more and more and more. Payment models, um, if you're watching the news about the um, Affordable Care Act, um, it looks like that's going to stay in place with maybe some modifications, at least as of this morning. Uh, but models continue to evolve and, uh, uh, you know, in terms of population health and um, et cetera. Um, provider consultation or consolidation, rather, uh, you'll see that's having a big issue. So you're seeing competition is increasingly getting more sophisticated because when you had a bunch of mom and pop practices, that's one thing. But then when you get to a larger group of practices, then suddenly you have professional management and you have professional marketers entering the scene. Um, and then what that means is there will be winners and there will be losers. So when we think about the consumer journey too, anytime that we've worked through um, a marketing campaign, whether you're at the PCP level, the specialist level, the hospital, recognize that the consumer has uh, people are vying for their attention constantly. And we want to be sure that we have, um, that we're answering their needs. So let's talk about some data here. The finding a doctor online. So this was a webinar I just got through doing with Binary Fountain, and this is some of their data, so I'll credit them. But it's very interesting how people are finding a doctor. It turns out, as I mentioned a moment ago, people are consumers and they are searching their, for themselves. Thank you very much. So people are still, you know, starting with a friend and family recommendation, but they're also looking at a hospital website. They're also looking at insurance house websites. They're looking through Google. They're looking at rating sites. Uh, they're even looking at social media and beginning to use voice search. So the point is, again, the consumer is empowered and they're using multiple channels to research providers and um, weigh their options. One thing that came out of that binary fountain survey was yet again, probably the third or fourth survey I've seen and this is important, if you just to um, talk about how empowered consumers are today, 
that even when they're being referred by their primary care doctor to a specialist, um, about 80% of people, I've seen this with Prescani, with Binary Fountain, different sources have all checked this out, about 80% on average, depending on the survey, um, will go check them out online. Even when they're being referred by primary care, they're checking them out online, they're checking out ratings, they're checking out competitors, they're checking out the website online prior to coming. That is a massive, massive change from days in the past. So just be aware that your online presence is vital. One of the things that I talk to people a lot um, when we're talking to a prospective new client is, um, you know, first thing we do is look at their website, of course, because it's the gateway to everything. And I often joke with the client, I say, look, we're not trying to sell your website. <laughs> These are really hard projects. Um, you know, it's like, it's, we're delighted when all we have to do is start sending traffic to a site that's already in good shape. But there's no point in sending traffic to a bad site. And again, these people are checking you out every day, whether you know it or not. Uh, a fun anecdote on that note, just give something that came to mind. Um, a couple of months ago, I talked to a large PPM in California where um, it was for oncology and they have a horrible website. And they called me because patient, but the, the problem they brought to me was patients are hearing they could go to City of Hope and when they get referred to us, they want to go back to City of Hope. They don't want to come here. And what I try to describe to this potential client was, well, the first thing they're seeing is your website when they're doing their due diligence on you. And until we start working your online presence, that's going to happen. Even under the best of circumstances, if everything is happening, um, even if your, your reputation is good and your website's good, City of Hope has a fantastic brand, that's always going to be a challenge. But you're giving City of Hope a layup here. <laughs> and the challenge with that is, in that particular client's case, um, or prospect's case, because they're still thinking about it, uh, is that they're losing money daily. They just don't see it. They can't see it. Pay, they don't see the patients that never call them. <laughs> um, and they can't relate to what the staff is going through and the patients that you know are going to straight to City of Hope. So that's an incredibly expensive problem uh, that to this day they still haven't solved. Oops. Uh, one of the things that's also keep in mind here is that we look as we go forward then that marketing really comes down to six categories. This is something we talk about a lot. Digital marketing is the whole category. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, um, uh, meaning online reputation, website, search engine optimization, paid search, programmatic, paid social, social media organically. That's a huge category, and that's all in one category. Another category is branding. We touched on that a little bit ago. Advertise, and that's that's a continual target. I have, we're in the middle of rebranding two businesses that we've been working with right now for six, seven years. Uh, both of them are going through a complete new rebranding effort. So that uh, is something, even if you have a brand, one of them is creating a whole new brand. The other is doing a major brand revision. Um, and the brand, of course, is not a logo and uh, a website. The brand is the larger sum total of experiences the patients have with you. And the brand reflects that. Or the logo um, for example, and the creative reflects that. Advertising is a you know, key area. Now, when we talk about marketing, most people think about these three areas, but I will argue all day that there's other parts that really matter in healthcare. So doctor referral building is a huge topic. Um, you may have seen a webinar we did about how to reach doctors digitally during COVID. So many of the hospitals we work with, many of the practices we work with have physician liaisons that are out essentially salespeople building relationships with referring and admitting doctors. And that's important. Uh, but also a lot of the work we do beyond supporting that, because we actually get involved to that level with our clients, um, uh, is supporting digitally those same referring liaisons so they can reach doctors. Patient experience is a crucial topic at the practice level. Uh, we're often talking about the first thing is for both hospitals and practices is how do you answer the phone? That's a huge sucking sound if you wasted opportunity for most businesses and healthcare. Um, there, it's super common for um, advertising, at least half the advertising generated patients to drop before they even get in the front door because they weren't handled, answered at all on the phone or handled poorly. So um, even though it's not a big revenue center for us, we actually do training on how to answer the phones for our clients when they ask for it. Uh, but the broader patient experience, obviously, at the hospital level is everything, right? The billing, the experience in the hospital and noises at night and all those. That's a huge area I have a personal interest in beyond the scope of the day, but that is part of the marketing mix. Then PR includes things like crisis management, includes things like community events, includes things like getting positive press. Um, uh, so all these things are part of the marketing mix. 
Uh, those last three things on that list, we work uh, with um, experts in the field if, once it goes beyond the scope of our firm. Those first three things are things we do all the time. But I feel like if you just remember this categories, when you go build your marketing plan, and this is how we do it, when we build a marketing plan for a client, we start with these six categories. Um, so, you know, all the strategies, will, it's an easy way to categorize and think about what you can do. So I'm going to get into some instruction now that's more specific. Uh, we're about uh, exactly that point where I want to do that. I recognize that some of you on this call are super sophisticated. This might be a little primer for you. Um, I'll get past this quickly, I promise you. Others of you may be really new to this stuff, and so I'll go through this just to make sure we're on the same page. So this is what we call a desktop SERP or a search engine results page. Uh, you'll see here that um, the top of the paid, uh, page are paid ads. This is one of the big levers we can pull for search. So if somebody's looking up spine surgeon in Irvine, California, you have really three places you can go. Um, you can go to the paid search, you can go to the map pack, and then we can go to natural listings. I'm gonna describe all these in a moment. And people say, Stuart, which word do you wanna be? And my answer is always, I am a pig, I want all three. Um, I mean, really, that's, I wanna dominate the search engine results page. So the pay, these are all different games though. And actually on our team, for example, I always talk about healthcare as a world of specialists. We have different people who do each of these, sorry, um, each of these um, um, categories or areas of expertise. So the paid search team, their whole world is how do I find a way to work with Google to bid on the most important action oriented search terms and then also making sure that those ads are as strong as they can be, as relevant as they can be. The website we're sending them to can do be as relevant as possible. And so it turns out that that's not just a bidding war for those. And you literally are paying per click for each of those keywords. So one might be $5, one might be 10, some, you know, mesothelioma is $100, by the way, typically. So the, you're not paying for new patients, you're just paying for clicks. Uh, that's the billions and billions of dollars that Google makes. That's where most of the money is. So even if you personally don't click on those ads, I'm assuring you many, 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 you know, millions of people do. Um, billions of people do worldwide. So that's an auction. Again, it's not a simple auction, though. It's based uh, Google, because I've been to the Google complex many times, is absolutely fanatical about relevancy and a good user experience. So they have ways with their um, programs and with humans to uh, the better experience you're providing, the better the ads are, the better the experience is, the more relevant the, the search is and the term and the, the content, the better uh, your ads will show. So it's quite possible to be on top of somebody who's paying twice as much by playing this game better. One of the things that I joke about in my seminars is this is like playing high stakes poker. It's really easy to enter, it's, it's difficult to win. So if you're playing this in any significant way, um, you probably want to look at somebody getting some professional help from people who live that world. It is super complex. It seems it's very simple to describe. But once you break it down, there's a lot of moving parts there. Second category is local SEO, local search engine optimization. And this is not bought. We lovingly refer to this as the map pack on Google. It's also known as GMB, Google My Business. This again is a, another um, key area to play. Incidentally, next week, I'm going to be having a, a webinar where I go much deeper into these topics about uh, search engine optimization. Um, so if you're interested in these topics, we will be able to see much more about this. I'll highlight some of this today. Uh, but again, we have a webinar coming up about advanced SEO next week. But for now, uh, it's really important to know that how well those profiles are filled out is vital. Uh, are you getting ratings and are you responding to ratings is vital. And then also, are there listings consistent across the internet? Because there are listings all over the place. And what happens is Google is still a machine. And if you have your website represented 40 different ways, then you're going to have um, challenges because Google won't know if it's Dr. Mary Lou, if it's Mary Lou MD, if it's advanced um, skincare or something else, P, uh, uh, you know, whatever. The, the, we see this all the time. There may be four or five different versions of a name for a location. And then you have different addresses and different providers have come and gone. So it's a mess. So getting those directory listings is vital. There's ways to scale that. We use actually a couple of different uh, partners for this, uh, but it's really, really important. And this is just an example of a real life practice that we recently saw. We just took one at random. But this almost every practice we look at has these kinds of numbers or kinds of um, um, inconsistency. So going back to um, 
search engine optimization. This is what we call the natural organic uh, listings. This is also known as earned media. And this is really won by a variety of quality of content, technical factors, and inbound links. And that's a long, long story that we're gonna talk about next week on another webinar. Um, noticing when you look at the mobile search engine results page, Look how important it is, dominant the ads are. We find that when we're bidding for our clients, um, first of all, on average, about two thirds of searches today for healthcare clients are coming from mobile. Um, for the really heavy duty stuff like cancer research and addiction and, um, and uh, uh, infertility, um, we see maybe a closer to maybe 55, 60% mobile. It's still, but it tends to be a larger percentage of um, desktop because it's more contemplated. But we definitely see mobile having a um, uh, very, very important. You can see mobile, uh, the ads dominate the experience as you get into it. Um, also, the uh, very important as you get into the marketing of this stuff, just keep in mind that it is possible today to have marketing that has a 24-hour results platform. Um, so all these analytics, the number of people coming to the website, number of people calling is all trackable and actually is, can be put into a 24-hour um, HIPAA protected call platform. So I'm going to get into some campaigns now. These are some uh, clients we're working with. Again, I can't go into much detail here for confidentiality reasons, but I at least want to show you some of the things that are possible that um, are available today. So this is an example I'm going to share with you in a moment. A client reached out to us back in 2017. Uh, they, this happens to be a low testosterone business, a super great client, one of our favorites. And we have lots of favorite clients. Uh, we love our clients. But this particular one came to us when they were just starting out. Um, we wanted to have just generate patients. We started to build a brand over time. Very, very savvy client, uh, data-driven client. Just met with them again as we enter a whole new stage of our experience together. And we executed from the very beginning. And we, as we continue to add new locations and are growing like crazy, uh, this all started with a multimedia strategy starting with the shoestring budget. So this is where the website is today. Um, and this is all about, you know, Synergenics. It's a uh, campaign we began. Um, at the heart of it, we build a campaign with a marketing-based website. There's a lot of marketing stuff here that's um, behind the scenes. For example, calls to action, consumer-friendly copy, um, feel great, look great is a big part of the messaging we do with them. And we're talking about here, there's lots with um, low testosterone patients, right? So you have uh, most men that are feeling like low testosterone. They all, a lot of people that aren't close to this think about it's all about libido, which is one issue, but it's also just feeling not good, feeling tired, sleep patterns interrupted. Um, you know, there's lots of issues that people, you know, can be traced directly back to low T. And so we began with a consumer uh, direct business in a very highly, highly competitive marketplace. Um, you know, the way we begin marketing campaigns for things like this includes um, think starting with the target audience, right? So we broke it down. Do we have a primary target audience? Well, obviously men uh, looking at, you know, 35 plus professional educated. We're going at the high end of the market. Um, we consider the influencer in our marketing. And then in this case, uh, the client has, um, you know, I didn't get to every detail here again, but we have different uh, audiences uh, beneath that that, um, that are also important, but not as many in terms of numbers. So for example, uh, in this case, we have a lot of multicultural. It's a big component of this as well. Oftentimes we'll do landing pages and, you know, uh, multiple landing pages for um, the campaigns here. So we have um, the, um, uh, in this case, targeting different concepts, different tests, different keywords. Oftentimes for some businesses, we'll create landing pages for specific parts of the business rather than changing the whole website. Um, this is just an example of an English-based landing page. This is an example of a similar page. Again, we get more, much more granular. We can sometimes get very, very granular uh, with these kinds of presentations. Um, paid social, um, the uh, oftentimes paid social can be a huge part. By the way, when we're looking at paid social, we have um, the um, uh, people often ask because there's so many different platforms out there and they're all validity, valid, right? So YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, um, there's lots of different ones out there. Um, Facebook and Instagram are the two biggest and they tend to be um, usually at the beginning. Again, there's lots of them out there. 
every plan is a little different. Um, sometimes we do branded messages that are video based. Sometimes we do um, uh, static. Again, this gets pretty complicated because there's lots of different formats and different um, uh, categories. I'm just going to show, for Over example, the here. Months I've experienced low energy levels, lack of motivation. I'm not going to play the whole thing just for the sake of time. But one thing that's really important when you get into the video, the movement works. Uh, most of uh, the, the ads are defaulted to be on mute. So we want to make sure we have titles for the ads so that we know um, patients can watch it and without turning their sound on, which is often the case. They don't want to be annoyed by the sound. Uh, obviously, we have sound too, but the titles are really, really important. Um, this is a case of something else that you can do. Uh, oftentimes, you can actually target people at events. Um, so that when they come into an, an area, um, like a baseball game or a conference or wherever, we can actually, although we don't have baseball games currently, um, the, um, but you can actually target people based upon where they're going. And this gets into a whole um, category. Uh, you can even geofence people at um, competitors' locations on a very, very granular basis. Um, this is a, a larger topic. You can also, you want to get to the point where we don't get uh, begin violating privacy and there have been some issues with this, but this is just one more tactic that can be a lever you can pull. Um, the key here is to think through a, a building an integrated program where uh, outdoor, um, online, offline, TV, radio, these are all, I'm going to skip the ad for the sake of time today, but television and radio, these are all important parts and they all work. And so people often ask, um, for example, um, when we're doing a paid search campaign, um, we'll see that the numbers will explode after TV. I mean, typically we'll use tracking numbers with TV, but what we know of course is people today have a phone with them at all times. So many times, you know, the organic search and the paid search explodes with TV. So the TV may be you know, profitable on its own, right? Um, take for any given client might be, um, let's say, you know, two to one and the paid search might be four to one. Well, TV is still profitable, but um, the, in this case, or in cases like this, I'm not sharing anything about this particular client, but in general, the TV is helping build the brand and it's at least breaking even or making a little, and then it's also serving to feed the other channels. So um, interestingly enough, the brand is always really important and we begin creating brands. And as I mentioned, brands evolve over time. This is on the hospital side. This is a long time friendly client we've worked with for, since 2012. Uh, Pomona Valley Health Centers has began marketing as a separate entity all the way back then. Um, their services include uh, urgent care, primary care, and a lot of ancillary services. Um, currently five different clinics serving different communities. Um, digital first with select offline. Um, we also work with the hospital as well with this particular client. But this was all about, in this case, um, you know, it's all about getting results and driving traffic, especially to the urgent care, because the, um, obviously these are feeders into the hospital system. They've got um, practices out in the community. This is how they build relationships with the hospital by starting with urgent care and family practice. Um, this is uh, this is one that happens to be great because it's been going on for years, um, super optimized. Um, you know, again, it's predictable. We can look at um, the number of patients and the amount of presence we can have online. And this is just an example of trying to dominate the search page. So this is a, a screenshot I took for a presentation for this particular client. You can see here how the hospital and the health centers, uh, we had ads. Uh, for both. And uh, so we had organic listings. The hospital has its own website up. The clinic has its website up. The map pack. So for the term urgent care, we were showing up in no less than four places, um, you know, right at the top of Google. And that's, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm a pig. That's what we like to do. When that's, you know, we can't always start that way. Um, but, you know, over time, that's really the kind of goal is to dominate the first page of search results. Here's Dr. Near Me again either the hospital or the clinics themselves are showing up for Dr. Near May. Um, I mentioned earlier about uh, the reason I'm sharing this here is one of the key things in urgent care, primary care is uh, wait time. So the more you can think through about, um, again, I'm not talking about the client here in this case, but just in general, the more that you can reduce wait time in terms of phone calls, answering the phone, getting them in, making uh, seeing them right away, 
not making the weight when they're there. This is still by survey, the binary fountain came back with the most uh, annoying thing to patients. And that number has actually gotten better. Uh, it used to be 50% of people were frustrated with wait time, but still that is a something, an area you can win. So as we're just talking about different clients here, just keep in mind that we wanna make sure we do all these things we can to get people to call. But then once they come in, you need to make sure you're handling the things that, um, that matter to them. Another thing too that, um, you know, we're talking about primary care, I'm just taking a quick segue. If you have capitated patients or population health patients that you're trying to keep happy, just keep in mind that you can do a lot of things. Right now we have COVID, you can email them about COVID. You can, um, you know, create thought leadership, be careful not to annoy them. Make sure you're reviewing and taking patient experience seriously. I mentioned earlier about converting new inquiries to patients. Uh, for this particular client, we've done training over the years to help the front desk staff convert patients in, or inquiries into patients, and we do this for a fair number. I just want to take a quick segue here of how critical that is. It turns out that most practices in hospitals are horrible at this. Um, we, about 95% of the time when we just randomly call uh, hospitals and practices, our experience is, you know, at three, on a scale of 10, at three or below. Um, and, you know, if you look at it this way, just a simple, let's say an average patient lifetime value is $1,000, which is pretty darn modest compared to a lot of our clients, like an addiction, for example, even if it was $1,000, if you're losing um, a patient a day from poor phone skills um, over 250 business days a year, that's $250,000. But that problem is chump change. It's usually in the millions for a larger multi-location business, whether it's a hospital or practice. So... And then the analogy I use here is it's like bringing the ball all the way down the uh, field. You're at the two yard line and going and getting a soda and a hot dog. Like they've called, that was the hard lift. They, we, out of the thousands or millions of people out there, we got them to call you and then we dropped the ball at the two yard line. So some of the things to think about in multi-location business is, you know, do we have a call center? Um, do we have the calls taken to the clinic? Do we prioritize new patient inquiries? The answer is yes. How can we minimize distractions, hire right, script, train, role play? Um, the sake of time, I'm going to pass on that, going into detail on this, but you can get it. The, as we start building these more integrated marketing plans, you start working on service lines. This one case was with the hospital. Just another couple of quick ones I'm going to go through here for about five minutes, and then we'll answer questions. This is a client that we've been working with for years. Um, we're actually working with a subgroup of RCCA uh, coming up here shortly and creating a new brand. But um, this is all about um, a highly, highly competitive marketplace where you're competing um, with uh, providers like MSK, Merle Sloan Kettering, um, super, um, very savvy client again. Um, been working with them for years as well. Um, What's interesting is, as we start marketing more, this is for the medical oncology side of the business. We actually have a program for infusion therapy. Have another, they recently merged with Radox um, and doing consumer direct marketing for them as well. Um, we can even go and think about it. It's funny, people don't realize the opportunity. Even with radiation oncology, you can go consumer direct. And we do um, for, um, in a lot of ways with this client. I mentioned earlier about um, B2B, that's really critical. Um, again, if you have physician liaisons and you need help getting them trained, we have worked with some of the top people in the country with that, we can refer you over. And also a lot of times now, we're spending a lot of time reaching doctors specifically. Very interestingly, another webinar we have, if you're interested, you can see a lot more detail on this about how to reach doctors online. During COVID, we spent a full hour going down on that topic for now, just recognize that if you have their patient email or the doctor's email, you can reach them really anywhere they go online through a lot of different categories. So if you're interested in that, let us know. We'll send you a link to that webinar to go into more detail. Wrapping up here, um, again, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week because we'll be talking about SEO and reputation on uh, another webinar coming up. But the um, interesting thing about people finding doctors it, um, some new data, uh, this one happens to be from Bright Local, even back in 2016, 87% of, of consumers won't even consider a business with low rankings. And I would argue that that's probably an even higher number today. Uh, reviews are really become something that's really vital. This is a problem for a small practice, but as you get into 100, or as you start working with lots of different um, hospitals as well, um, you can break it down into a variety of categories. Again, we work with a couple different partners for this. 
but review monitoring is vital. Uh, uh, generating reviews is vital. Uh, publishing, uh, responding to reviews, getting insights to this. Again, this is really an important topic for um, just the average um, you know, single lot location. But when you start scaling, it becomes a really important issue. And so if, uh, again, it's like, make sure you have a provider that does this. We uh, work with our clients with actually a number of different platforms and providers depending on the situation, but it's a vital, vital issue. Uh, but when it's state of the art, you can actually um, get reviews and um, you actually track your reviews and respond to reviews and it can all be done in a single platform. So that's state of the art today. And again, there's even tracking or there's even platforms where we can encourage review, reviews and um, uh, long story, there's a lot of opportunity here. So I'm looking for now at this stage, we're gonna wrap up. We see we're right on time. I was hoping to get done about 50 minutes in and we're there. Um, Let's take a look. If you have any questions, answer them now or ask, go ahead and ask them now. And if you do have any questions, feel free to put those down in the Q&A box and we can, uh, we can take those there. And actually, well, it looks like we have one right now. Uh, this is from Cassie. Uh, how do we go about letting our patients know we now offer telehealth? Well, you know, it's a great question. And so there's, it's, Really pretty tactical. One thing that's um, certainly, if you have their email addresses, you could email them. <laughs> so that's the first step. One of the, I'm not sure, obviously, the kind of where you are, Cassie, in terms of that. Again, even if you're a huge business, a lot of times people don't have a very good database of emails. So that would be a priority uh, to start getting patient emails. When they come in, they check in, ask them for permission on their form, intake forms, have a checkbox, you know, would you like to get updates from our practice? Do you have permission? send them out in a secure way, but email is super powerful for that. Um, uh, it's an easy way to do it. Text is similar. Uh, if you have permission, text is more intrusive, so you have to be careful. But if you have permission for texting, that can be another way to do it. Certainly though, um, and depending on where you are on this continuum here, um, talking it up and having an available um, signage when you do come in uh, is certainly something else you can do. Uh, that presumes they are coming in, right, due to COVID. Um, you can have staff talk it up. You can also, of course, make sure, remember I mentioned about the being at the two yard line with those phone calls, make sure that your staff is communicating this properly. Uh, it's shocking how, you know, you assume these things are all happen. Don't ever assume, go listen. Um, so those are some quick ways of doing it. Even hard mail, depending on your situation is something, you know, you can do a simple postcard, just letting patients know, uh, given, you know, again, depending on your situation. Fantastic. Oh, we have one another one here from a gentleman that looks like named Mark. Uh, he says, I'm part of a uh, multi-location uh, Dell group and use an SEO agency specifically. Uh, what makes you as good or better than an SEO only agency and why? <laughs> number one, I invite you to uh, attend my seminar or webinar next week. And number two, um, it's funny. We just, we've always been good at SEO. I built our company on SEO. Um, and um, when you could join the webinar next week, you'll see that our, um, uh, our lead SEO has experience uh, working prior to coming with us. He was head of SEO for a 900 location uh, dental office. <laughs> so we're very, very deep on SEO. And so I'd recommend you uh, check out our webinar next week. But, you know, again, this isn't meant to be really, you know, co uh, commercial for our firm. But, you know, since you asked as a little mini plug, we, it really, this getting a team to do these kinds of things like SEO, social media, paid search, uh, design, creative is really, really hard um, because this is a highly specialized field. Uh, but I am really proud of, you know, getting to this stage because it does require deep expertise. And certainly, um, you know, in terms of SEO, for example, uh, I'd invite you to follow up with us. What we could do too beyond the webinar is if you like, have, send us uh, your URL, talk to us a little bit. We can do a quick audit and see. And what's a little scary is, um, you know, when people call us and ask us to do an SEO audit for their firm, um, first of all, they're usually bad, but um, they're often bad when somebody's paying for SEO. I'm not saying that's the case. I hope when I take a look at your um, situation that it's great and we're just doing tweaks, but you'd be shocked at how many times like just the basics aren't even being handled. So that SEO is a really strange world. There's some really strong people in it and there's a lot of posers. I don't know why it just happens to be. So good question. Though. 
Let's see, we have a question from uh, Marilyn. Well, actually, it's a, it's a three-pronged question. Uh, let's see, actually make that four. Uh, let's see, is uh, Yelp important for reviews? And in addition to that, you know, are people really shifting from Twitter to Parler and Rumble? And uh, what about LinkedIn? Is that a good way to reach potential patients? Okay, those are all three. Yeah, those are very different questions. So the first one, uh, Yelp is still important, but decreasing in importance. And so um, it's very interesting watching directory sites. Uh, the, we've been around since 2006, as I mentioned, and the directory sites, and then later the rating sites, um, Google back in the early days really, really favored review sites and directory sites. And over time, Google started muscling in with its own product, Google My Business. So, and it's funny because I remember when rating sites first came out, doctors used to call us and actually the press called us a lot because we were so well searched and optimized about reviews for doctors. Nobody could understand it. Nobody believed it. And I said, hey guys, get over it. Google loves reviews and sort of patients. It's, it's a thing and it's a thing forever. And it turns out I was right there. But with Yelp in particular, um, Yelp is not the most popular rating site that we work with. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not going to make a, a disparaging statement here. I can just tell you the feedback we get from a lot of clients and prospective clients is that they feel like Yelp is extremely difficult to work with. Uh, you can partner with them. They're, they have their own rules and it's almost like a religion over there. Um, but they are, uh, one of the things that people will allege is they seem to, you know, approve all the bad reviews, but the good reviews don't get posted. And so whether or not that's true, I just hear that a lot. The, um, um, you know, Yelp is a factor, but it's not as big a factor. There's lots of review sites out there. So I think that what the problem is because of the experience, Yelp has been around longer. There's oftentimes you'll see like, you know, an orthopedic surgeon, one orthopedic surgeon has two reviews that are both bad on Yelp and we can't get anything to happen off that. And it's like kind of like a big spot of mustard on your dress or your tie. It's like, you can't see anything else but that. But um, it is a important site, but it's becoming less and less important. The data shows that. On my Binary Fountain webinar, if you're curious about the data, I think we covered that. Send us a, ask us, and we can send a link to that. It's in there somewhere about the data of how many people are using Yelp today. But it is going down. Um, in terms of people defecting from Facebook, that's in the news right now because of um, conspiracy theories and all that. I haven't seen any impact on that in the advertising world at all yet. Um, and Facebook has been in hot water all year because of a lot of things. Uh, there was actually a boycott organized against Facebook. However, Facebook revenue wise hasn't seemed to miss a beat. So Facebook and Instagram are still the big ones. Um, LinkedIn. So we'll have to watch that though. Cause it, you know, there's, uh, certainly a lot of political intrigue going on right now. And a lot of people unhappy in general in our country right now, uh, LinkedIn, um, the, uh, LinkedIn has its place and uh, it is truly a business platform. It's more expensive, but depending on what you're going after, it can be part of it. So for example, uh, we're working with a multi-location radiology business right now that we're talking about, you know, how do we, usually the doctors aren't big on LinkedIn, but other people might be. And so including that as a layer of our professional referral um, program. And what was the, is there a fourth question on that one, Kyle? Uh, yes, actually there was. Uh, her, Marilyn's other last question on that was, if your team is hired, what guarantee do you give to your clients for the ROI? Okay. It's a great question. We get that a lot. Just like in healthcare, um, you, you're, you can't guarantee a surgery is going to go well. You can't guarantee the patient is going to get better. You can guarantee that you're following best practices and best practices results. So, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, all we can do is show you our experience and talk and, and, you know, and weigh the risk and give you our honest assessment. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be your marketing doctor, we're going to follow best practices to the best of our ability, just like doctors. Next question. Is there any other question? Yeah. Here? Oh, yes, there are. Uh, yes. Another question here uh, we have that uh, says, you mentioned connecting and selling to clinicians via email addresses, which is a challenge to obtain. Have you successfully created an online Zoom presentation targeted to educating clinicians now that many practices, practices, pardon me, have locked doors or locked their doors because of COVID and moved to telehealth for their patients? Uh, this makes it challenging to detail clinicians via traditional lunch and learns. Yeah, for sure. That's something that's uh, a big deal um, that's come up a lot. And uh, again, I mentioned we do a lot in the physician referral space. 
Um, I would suggest taking a look. The short answer is watch our webinar on that. And if you email Kyle at Healthcare Success, K-Y-L-E at Healthcare Success, Kyle can send you a link to make it easy for you. Uh, we're making some changes to our website. So some of this stuff may be easier to find than others um, right now for the short term. Uh, we can send you the full webinar on that. We cover that topic in general intensively. But the short answer for right now is that um, there are list sources out there that you can, there's a, getting doctor emails um, is really all over the place. You can buy a million names for about $200 from some guy in India. Don't do it. It'll screw up your sender score and you'll be spammer for life. Um, uh, I don't know why they seem to come from India a lot, but we seem to see that a lot. Um, I get emails like that all the time. Um, the, um, uh, there are legitimate resources out there. However, they're expensive. It's going to cost a dollar, dollar 20 per name, uh, to get their email. And that's a license for a year. So you, if you want 20,000 names, it's going to cost $20,000. Um, but that's just the stakes of business because that the world of emails and doctors is big, big business, mostly driven by the pharma market and pharmas are willing to pay a premium price. And so that's the market price. It's expensive, but you know, in the scheme of things, if you're, Looking at, you know, um, 2,000 refers per location. Okay, it's $2,000 per location just for the list. But, you know, any one of those referrals could send you a million dollars, right? So just get to look at things from an ROI standpoint. But check out that webinar if you're interested for more. Perfect. Another question. One more if there's any more. We can, we can answer anything else, I guess, by email. Uh, any, one last one, Kyle? Yeah, I've got a short one here. It's from Bart. Uh, he asks... Uh, how are other multi-location practices handling their marketing mix? Are most running a combo of SEO, PPC, online media, or something else? Uh, the smart ones are doing everything. And what we're seeing is, it's a great question. So what we're seeing is the following. Um, you know, it, it really is an evolution. I mentioned just because the practice is big doesn't mean that it's gotten smart marketing sophistication. They tend to grow over time. So when they first start, it's just a big version of what it was before. And then they get stronger and stronger people. And it, depending on the business too, like nephrology is different than dermatology, which is different than addiction. But on the more consumer direct ones, marketing tends to grow faster in importance and they understand it more quickly. And what happens is oftentimes when people come to us, um, they've been, you know, they've grown, they're smart people almost always. They're just, they may not have the support of the organization. Um, so what happens though, is a lot of times they've been doing things a la carte. They've been working like a little SEO over here a little paid search over there. You know, we did a TV spot once, but it's not integrated. And so that's where the power is. And so with our clients, I'll leave you with this thought. Um, with most of our multi-location businesses, and this isn't, this isn't um, a rule, it's an average, but some come in and just say, hey, can you help us with our SEO? Our SEO is horrible. Or can you help us with our paid search or a social or a TV or whatever? But most of the time they come in and say, you know, we're really looking for a partner. And somebody we can grow with and stay with. And so when we have that, um, what we typically do is start off with, just like you do as a doctor, an exam, diagnosis, and treatment plan, patient history. So we'll usually look at everything. We'll look at, you know, um, what are you doing well? What are you doing poorly? Um, we look at the SEO. We look at the paid search. We look at the brand. We look at the doctor referral building systems. We actually mystery shop the phone call. We... Um, really go deep. We look at, do you have a brand? You know, oftentimes with multi-location businesses, it's all over the place. So then we come back and we, with a um, report of findings and a very specific plan. So we talk all the usual things you'd see in a marketing plan, which would include, you know, target audience, strategies, uh, budget, um, com competition. And then we break it down to those same six categories I told you oftentimes. So doctor referral building, which we do there, patient referral building um, and uh, patient experience. Um, you know, digital advertising or digital, the entire mix, external advertising, branding, even PR. So all of those things are part of a marketing plan and that's the successful ones. And if you look at the, the poster children of like the best, uh, you know, PPMs, the ones that are multi-location and successful, they've gotten really sophisticated at marketing and it's a competitive advantage and it adds value. Um, yesterday, for example, I was talking about one of our clients that's, you know, really, really grown. And we came up with a whole new brand new creative concept and they were excited and our team was excited that, you know, we we're presenting this new concept to them. But the part that I thought my part of that meeting was just to remind them, guys, what we've come up with here, this new revised brand is actually so differentiating and so good in the market that it will help add value to your business beyond the fact it will generate patients um, directly. 
it actually adds something that's a competitive advantage in the market. So the best PPMs are thinking like that. So that's a great question to end with because that's the state of the art. That's what's possible today. So um, thank you for listening. If you're interested in talking, you know, you can reach back to me and we will get back to you. So, hey, uh, good meeting you, everybody, and uh, hope you have a great day. Thank you.